morning our scripture is uh, from Micah chapter 5 verses 2 through 5. But as for you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. He will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And this one will be our peace. When the Assyrian invades our land, when, the tramples on, when he tramples on our citadels, then he will rise against him. Seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. Heavenly Father, as we, <clears throat> as we open your word this morning, Lord, I pray that this would not simply be an exercise that we try to get through so that we might get to the rest of this day, but Lord, it would be an opportunity to truly understand the nature of what this day means. And Lord, we are so thankful that you have blessed us with the opportunity to come together and worship you in song, Lord, and now to worship you through your word. God, I pray that we would be changed evermore into the image of your son this morning. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. As I said earlier, we are uh, this morning, obviously, is the last Sunday morning in Advent. And we are talking about, or we have talked about rather, the hope that we find in Jesus, the love that we find in Jesus, the joy that we find in Jesus. And then this morning... We are talking about the peace that comes only from knowing Christ. And of course, we're in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And as we look at this, um, one of the things we need to understand, as you know I, I tend to do, I, I want us to understand what's going on in the book of Micah. It helps us better understand what's happening in this passage. And in Micah 1, 1, it tells us that he was a prophet during the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and it's during the, in, the invasion of the people of Assyria. And so really, Judah and, and, and all of Israel, but Judah was growing darker and darker. There was oppression coming from without, uh, from the people of Assyria, but also uh, destruction and darkness coming from within because the people of Judah had fallen into idolatry and pagan worship and were no longer following the Lord the way that they were supposed to. So because of this, all of Judah really is, is, is falling into darkness, and this is the time in which Micah is prophesying. And so while we look at this passage, and there's plenty more in the book of Micah, and we see that he is letting us know that even in the midst of this dark time, things are not always what they seem. In 1867, Secretary of State William Seward purchased the state of Alaska, for $7.2 million, which is roughly $12 a square mile. 
At the time, the deal was called Seward's Folly, and even to the point where Alaska for a time was referred to as Seward's Icebox. Then in 1880, gold was discovered, and to this day, millions of dollars of gold is brought out of the earth every year in Alaska. During the 1930s, drought-weary Midwesterners decided they could no longer uh, plant where they lived, and they moved to Alaska, began to plant, and found that the soil in Alaska is among the most fertile in the world. And many other amazing natural uh, discoveries and different things of that nature have been found in Alaska. But when it first began, William Seward was a laughingstock. He was considered to be someone who was so, so myopic, so, had so much tunnel vision that he couldn't, he couldn't see the future. He didn't understand what was needed for the future. And yet, some things are not always what they appear to be. See, the Jews living in Palestine during the time of Jesus' birth They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a Messiah. They always were. But the Messiah they were looking for, the deliverer they were looking for, they were looking for one who was going to come in and overthrow Rome. They were looking for a military leader, a mighty leader, a leader that could command legions and and could have armies come up behind him and would take the throne of Israel by force throw Rome out and set up the kingdom of Israel once more. That's what they were, they were looking for. And yet, contrary to their expectations, the Messiah was born in the lowliest of circumstances. He was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Now, all of these mistaken notions that the people had. The truth is, is while the people had these mistaken notions, you can tell when you read the New Testament, or at least the Gospels, you can tell that these beliefs were so ingrained in the Jewish people that even Jesus' own disciples did not understand exactly what was happening. Even to the point that after Jesus rose from the dead, his own disciples said, Master, when are you going to restore the kingdom? They just didn't get it. It was so ingrained in them that he was going to come and throw, overthrow the might of Rome through military action. And because of this, Jesus came in the lowliest of circumstances. He lived his life as a traveling rabbi. He himself said that birds of the air have nests and, and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He, not, he was not only born in a lowly way, he lived his life in a lowly way. And this one would not settle for simply being the liberator from Rome. See, they wanted someone to liberate them from their bondage, to liberate them from their captivity. But their bondage and their captivity was so much larger than what they thought. See, they believed that they were fully and completely in bondage. They were in captivity to Rome. And yet Jesus refused to be this military leader for many reasons, but at least one primary reason, and that is this. That if he had come in and simply liberated them from Rome and and delivered them from their Roman captivity, it would have set up the kingdom of Israel for a time, but it would not have liberated the world from what our true uh, captivity and our true oppression is. And that is the sin of all mankind. 
And so because of this, Jesus had to come. Jesus came in the lowliest of places. He lived the lowliest of lives. He died a murderer, a traitor's death because he needed to liberate us from our true captivity, the darkness of our own sin. And so Judah, during Micah's time, is in the entire country, really, the entire nation of Israel was in turmoil. And Micah is looking forward and he sees the deliverance of God's people. Again, it's, if you were here yesterday, you know that the, the book of Micah, there are things he's talking about that happened immediately for them or happened in their time period. But then you can tell in the book of Micah that he begins to talk about something that's going to happen years ahead of them, years in the future. And he tells them that their ultimate deliverance would come through someone else would come from someone special and see you can in this moment this morning and the blessing of christmas the 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 most beautiful thing about being here and worshiping together on christmas morning is that the greatest gift that human humanity has ever been given is jesus christ and the greatest thing we ever needed is jesus christ the peace you need the peace I need, the peace this whole world needs, comes from one who came from the most unlikely of places. A baby in a manger in a small town, and yet he is the great king and savior of all mankind. And you can experience ultimate peace in Jesus. Now, When we look at this passage, when we look at the passage of Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, there's a reason I I start in verse 2, because verse 1 is is really speaking directly to the people of Israel when he says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. So he's talking about Assyria and what is happening uh, with the judgment of Assyria around them. But then in verses 2 and 3... We see that you and I can experience peace in Jesus because of his divine nature. There's something, it's very similar actually to Isaiah 11 that we looked at last night, but there is something about this passage that Jesus, or or that we're told about the Messiah, the one who would come, uh, that is very, very specific. Something that Truthfully, uh, his disciples missed at least a little here and there, but certainly uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all those in the New Testament um, who were against Christ completely missed. Verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. So when he says, but you, O Bethlehem, um, the, 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 he is contrasting this new leader with the leader that's described in verse 1 when he says the judge of Israel, uh, when he strikes the judge of Israel on the cheek. It's a, the, whoever it is, he's, he's the weak one. And, and so he's saying, but there's going to be another leader. There, there's another leader who's coming. And he's coming from Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which is the birthplace of King David is the birthplace of 
the greatest human king in Israel's history. This is also quoted in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, to let us know that this is definitely, most certainly, about Jesus Christ. And he says something very important, because as he's describing what, uh, what's happening with Assyria, it's, it's interesting sometimes in these prophecies, it switches in verse 2, and it is God speaking directly. Not, not the prophet speaking on behalf of God, but God speaking directly. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me. So this is God speaking. There's going to be one who's going to come forth from Bethlehem who is going to be solely and completely for God, for his glory, to serve him and his purposes. And look at what it says. One who is to be ruler in Israel. See, they would hear that and think, all right, cool. You can imagine, if that was the line, they, you can see why they would say, okay, so he's going to be a, a ruler of Israel, he's going to be the king, he's going to set up Israel's physical kingdom. One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Refers to his eternal origin. So now we just had something interesting happen that, that truthfully they, they, they missed at least in regard to Jesus and that is this, that he has already described that there would be one who would come forth from Bethlehem which means he's what? He's human. He has a, he has a geographical origin at least on this earth. He, he is human. He is where he's going to be born is from Bethlehem. And yet he is one who is from the ancient of days. He is the one who is from old. So what is he? Just like Isaiah chapter 11 last night. He is God and he is man. That's the one who's coming. And he will come forth from old, from ancient of days. And therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So he tells Israel... It's Micah, uh, God prophesying through Micah to the children of Israel that, that this is what's going to happen. They're going to be given up over to their enemies for a time. That's, that's just what gonna, what's going to happen. The Lord is going to allow them to be taken, captivity, uh, taken into captivity. And so he says, this is what's going to happen. And yet there will come a point where he will deliver his people. Now, what is happening here? Well, it's just like what we talked about last night, if you were here. There are we, when we celebrate the uh, the season of Advent. Advent is the word; it comes from the Latin word Adventus. It means coming. And so, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in His birth. Uh, but but the the truth is is that there are two Advents described in Scripture. There is the first Advent, the coming of Christ at Christmas time, and then there's the second Advent when He returns to call His people home. And so when he's describing this one who is coming, he's describing something that happens partially at the beginning, but fully at the end. And he shall, the, when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So what he's saying is, is there will, he will come and there is, we know now the body, or, uh, through the life of Christ that there is fulfillment in this in Christ, but then ultimate fulfillment at the end of days. So God's plan for peace is just that. It's a plan. 
This is not something uh, that took him by surprise. Uh, This is not something that shocked him in any way. Because the world has been broken since Genesis 3. Darkness has reigned in the hearts of human beings since Genesis 3. When we broke the perfect peace between God and man. When our sin broke the fellowship between us and God. But God provided a way through His Son. I referenced this yesterday, but all the way back in Genesis 3, when we broke fellowship with God because of our sin, even in that moment, God declared that there would be one who would come, who would break the curse of sin and make it where we could have fellowship with God again. So all the way back, God declared that this would happen. In Micah 5, he declared this new ruler, uh, this new king who would come. He would come from Bethlehem and he would be one who comes into this world, but he is also one who is eternal. And there is only one person who has ever claimed the lineage of both the son of David, born of Mary, in a little town of Bethlehem, And the lineage of being the ancient of days from eternity, the second person of the Trinity. And that only one is Jesus Christ. And so when he declares this, Matthew 2, 6, in fact, tells us that that this passage refers to Jesus. So God's plan from the beginning has been Jesus Christ. The only way that you and I can have peace with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. So not only has he provided a way for peace for us through Christ and his divine nature, but you and I can experience peace in Jesus because he's king. Look at verse 4. And this is what he'll do. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. So he will stand. He'll be installed as king. That's the idea. He's going to stand and rule as king. But notice how he rules. Because again, what were they looking for? They were looking for one who was going to come and overthrow Rome with military might, set himself up as a, as a powerhouse on the world stage and deliver them from their captivity. And yet, what does it say? He shall stand and shepherd his flock. He's not described as a military ruler. He's actually described as a shepherd. He protects, he feeds, he leads, he will care for his people. And how does he do this? In the strength of the Lord. He'll be doing this through the power of Of God the Father. That's not to say that Jesus Christ did not have power in and of himself. And that he needed power. But he's doing this under the will and direction of God the Father. He himself said, I only do that which the Father tells me to do. So he will do this in the strength of the Lord. And in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. It's not, again, that Jesus does not have his own authority, but he is doing everything or did everything and is doing everything under the authority of God the Father. So everything he did and everything he does 
is commissioned by, approved by, and empowered by God the Father. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. God's people will ultimately dwell in peace. Now, these words are given, and you can imagine how this would feel for the people of Judah who are under attack by Assyria. They, they're almost certainly, they know they're going to be overthrown. This is not going to be a good situation for them at all. And yet they're told that there is going to come one who's going to rise up out of Bethlehem and he is going to shepherd them and they are going to be secure. The number one thing they did not have in that moment was security. There was an army invading. There were people invading their land. They were taking people captive. And to hear the words, and they shall dwell secure, that this king would keep them safe. But what, what ultimately happens to the people of Judah? They're taken captive. They're taken captive. And for a long time, they were not in their land anymore. But what happens? Christ, Jesus Christ, is the ultimate fulfillment. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew tells us this, but Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment because He's the only one who truly brings peace to God's people. He says, They shall dwell secure, for now He shall be great to the ends of the earth. See, when the fullness of the Messiah is seen, we, we've, we've talked about this before. You've probably seen this before. But the first advent of Jesus, he is the king of all creation. He is the great I am. He's all of those things. In, he comes in the form of a baby, born in the likeness of men. He comes to Bethlehem. He's born to Mary. He's there and he lives, uh, or he's born a lowly birth. He lives a lowly life. He dies a, a, a traitor's death. And he rises again. The second time he returns, however, the book of Revelation describes his coming far different. See, he came as a king in the, in the Gospels. He came as a king but was not recognized as a king. But in the book of Revelation, it says not only will he be recognized as a king, but even those who don't follow him will worship him as the king. And that every king on earth will worship him as the king. Why? Because he's the king of all kings. He is the one who rules over all. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. See, his glory wasn't known, wasn't recognized by many in his lifetime. But when he returns, his glory will be recognized by all. See, you can experience peace in Jesus because he is king. See, through Christ we not only have a mighty king, but we also have one who provides for his people. He provides peace and protection and shepherding. See, today, for many, Christmas Day, I mean, it's a joyful time. It's a joyous time. Um, in fact, uh, you know, a couple people told me yesterday, you know, I'm, we're excited about tomorrow, you know, because it really is for the kids um, to watch the kids be excited. And, and, I, and I understand that, and that's absolutely true. 
But every one of us knows that Christmas time also brings a certain amount of, of uh, uh, frustration, fear, turmoil. It can bring quite a bit of sadness and longing. There are people in this room I know of personally. Uh, there are many of you who have lost a very dear one to you this year, and this is the first Christmas you will celebrate without them. And so while the Christmas time brings joy and, and, and can bring happiness and, and smiles, it can also bring a measure of longing and reminder that this world is broken. We're subject to, to the brokenness of this world. But did you know that in all the different things that can happen in your life and all the things that can affect um, your heart, even on this day, on this day when it's possible you're going to sit down at a table at some point and you're going to look over and there's an empty chair there where there was someone just last year. And in that moment, when we recognize that we, as each one of us as individuals, is subject to the brokenness of this world, we have to come to a place where we realize that the King of all creation, Jesus Christ himself, is the only one where we can find, uh, through whom we can find ultimate peace in this life. Because there's nothing that is certain. There is nothing that is sure in this world. If this world teaches us anything, it is that there is nothing certain and there is nothing sure. Everything you know to be certain at this moment could change tomorrow. But Christ never changes. And because he never changes, you can find peace. And if you know Christ, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, then you can dwell, while it's true, things could change for you tomorrow as well, you can dwell in security, you can dwell in wholeness, you can dwell in peace. Because the master of your soul is also the master of all creation. So Jesus is the eternal, almighty king through whom we can have true and lasting peace. And he provides this for his people. And because he provides this for his people, we can live in security in knowing, in, in knowing this truth. But in the end, you can experience peace only in Jesus. If you look at verse 5, just the, just the first line of verse 5. And he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. I think this is an extremely important scriptural truth to understand uh, that this declares here um, that we're told elsewhere um, that when my heart and my flesh will fail in, in the Psalms um, that God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's that this concept is all throughout scripture actually and, and sometimes it can seem subtle if, if we don't see or we don't look very closely but did you notice something about this verse see so often we will say things like well if you know christ then you can have peace and we get peace from jesus but that's actually not what this passage says that's not what this passage says about the messiah look at what it says and he shall not give them peace it says and he shall be their peace there's a difference between those two. You say, well, I don't see that. It's kind of subtle. It's very subtly important. It's very subtly important because when you come to Christ, you don't come to Christ for what you get from Him. You come to Christ because you get Him. You come to Christ because you get 
him. See, so often we want to, in a sense, we almost worship the peace we get from Christ. We worship the love we get from Christ. We worship the hope we get from Christ. But did you know that the scripture says, Paul says, and that, that we have this mystery uh, in us that was revealed from age, or was hidden from ages past and has now been revealed. And do you know what it is? That this mystery that has been revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is your hope. The scripture doesn't, it does say that you receive love from God, but it actually says God is what? God is love. So when we get this, it says he shall be their peace. Of course you get peace from God, but he is your peace. Why is that so important? Because in this Christmas season, on this Christmas day, when we celebrate the coming of Christ, and we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop for a moment and not simply celebrate the gifts we get from Christ. Let us celebrate the gift we get in Christ. See, when you get to heaven one day, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get to heaven one day, you're not going to worship salvation. You're not going to worship eternal life. You're not going to worship grace. You're not going to worship peace. You're not going to worship mercy. You're not going to worship joy. You're going to worship Jesus. Because he is the personification of all those things. He is the one we worship. He is the one we praise. He is the one we seek to please. And on this Christmas morning, he is the one we celebrate. What's so amazing about today, and I, and I do think it's, it's really neat that this happens periodically, uh, that Christmas morning it falls on a Sunday. Uh, because we talk about this, right? When it's Easter time, we, we mention it all the time. When it's Easter, we always say this. Well, it's so wonderful that we're celebrating Easter Sunday. But you know, we celebrate Easter every Sunday, right? You'll hear one of us say that at some point on a Sunday, a Easter Sunday. Why? Because we do. That's why we celebrate uh, that's why we have our worship services on the first day of the week because of the resurrection of Christ. So it just so happens that today we're celebrating the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ on the same day. Now, think about that. Why is that so important? I mentioned this last night, but it bears repeating. Uh, the reason it's so important is Jesus didn't come and, and be born in a manger just to be born. Jesus came to be born in a manger so that he could die for you and for me and rise again three days later. There was a purpose in his birth. See, the coming of Jesus means we can have peace. And this peace is only found in him. And there are some of you this morning, so grateful you're here, and maybe you're even a, an avid churchgoer, and you're, you go to church all the time, but you're trying to find your peace in other things or in other people. You're trying to find your peace, your happiness, your wholeness in other things, but what you will find often over and over and over again is when you follow it to its fullest conclusion, nothing on this earth can bring you peace. Not because peace only comes from Jesus, but because Jesus is your peace. And if you try to find it anywhere other than him, you will never find it. And you will live this life without peace, 
and you will enter eternity without peace. But the greatest thing you and I need, see, often we talk about that, and if, if I leave it general, that, that sounds good, but peace, when we talk about it, so I'm just trying to find peace. We mean like I feel frustrated or, or I feel sad or I feel lonely or whatever else, and I need peace. I need to feel better. But see, the word peace means not just absence from conflict, but it, it does mean that. It means there was fighting, there was enmity, and now there is not. See, the peace that you and I need is not the peace uh, th that where I just feel better about myself. Uh, the peace, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, the peace you need is not just so you can get a better night's sleep tonight. See, the issue you've got... The issue that every human being is born with is that we are born dead in our trespasses and sins and we are enemies of God. And because we are enemies of God, we are enemies of God by birth and we are enemies of God by our actions. We live in sin against God. And because of that, the wrath of God, that's what Scripture says from the beginning of time, the wrath of God has been poured out against the unrighteousness of men. So because of our sin, God's wrath is against us. So what you and I need is not just peace to feel better. We need peace between us and God. Because God's wrath is pointed against us because of our sin. But Jesus Christ came, and here's why He is our peace. It's because He came, and that wrath that was being poured out against me, Christ came on the cross and stepped between me and God. And He took the wrath that I deserved on the cross and when he rose again and I put my faith and trust in him, then he became, he didn't just give me peace, he became my peace between me and God. So that when God's wrath, when I stand before the Lord one day and I'm there uh, just by myself and I'm standing before the Lord, the wrath of God could come against me except it's not just that I have something to say that keeps that from happening, it's that I have someone standing beside me who keeps that from happening because Jesus stands up and says, no, he's mine, I took that wrath, he belongs to me I didn't just give him peace I am his peace see and you can have that this morning that that's the peace you need you don't need to feel better you don't need to have, sleep better at night although all those things could possibly happen for you what you need is peace between you and God and God knew that and he sent his son and that's what we celebrate today is that we can have ultimate hope because of Jesus Christ. We can have ultimate love because of Jesus Christ. We can have ultimate joy because of Jesus Christ. And we can only find our peace in Jesus Christ. And believer, simple truth is the simple song that we just sang. Because you have this peace found in Jesus Christ, Go tell it on the mountain. And I'm going to give you a practical way to do that. If you're a member here at Eastwood, you heard the announcement a minute ago that January 8th, we're going back to two services. Um, it, we, we, have gone, we went to one service for a time uh, through transition period. We're going back to two services at both campuses. And did you know that the Lord, through his glorious blessing, uh, we, we thought, well, we'll go back to two services. That's what everybody's used to. Uh, very quickly, what we realized is we need to go back to two services because we need the room. 
at both campuses. And so what I'd like to challenge you is this, is because Christ is your peace, believer, Christ is your peace, Eastwood member, for January the 8th, I want you to go find that one person you know who doesn't know Christ, who is far from God, and invite them to come with you to church that morning. Whether you go to East Campus or South Campus. By the way, love the fact that I see so many of our South Campus brothers and sisters here this morning. I'm sorry for the reason that you're here because of the busted pipe. But we're grateful that you're here. Whatever campus uh, you're at, invite someone you know who is far from God. Why? Because if you have found love and you have found hope and you have found joy and you have found peace in Jesus Christ, don't you want your friend to know the same? And if you do, tell them about Christ Invite them to church. Bring them here so that they too can understand and know the peace that comes only through Jesus Christ.